0: Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. And some of these are questions that we've had to wrestle with. You know, as you grow in maturity, some of these questions you just naturally, you know, you figure out, you go through school, whatever, you learn how to reason. But I think that, that, that sometimes there are certain events or circumstances, things that can happen in our life that can really raise other questions Things that can really come up in our life, things that can happen. How many know that sometimes when certain circumstances happen in our life, we, they don't make sense? We just, we find ourselves going, I, I don't understand why did that happen? And I oftentimes hear people, uh, particularly when there's been some type of a tragedy, some type of a situation, they say, you know, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions for God. Many of you have some questions for God? You know, we, we, have, we have some questions. In fact, Barna did a study uh, and, and asked people what questions, if they could ask any question to God, what question would they ask to God? And, 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 and here are some of the top, two, two top ones. The top one was this, why does God allow evil to exist? That was the top question. Why does God, if I could ask God any question, why does God allow evil to exist? And the second is, why does God allow there to be suffering? And sickness. Why does God allow there to be suffering and sickness? Now, that's been an issue that people have wrestled with since the, the very beginning of, of time, and uh, it's not a new question. And today we're going to take a look at John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, the disciples, Jesus sees someone, and, uh, and the disciples have a question. They, they have a question, and they think they know the answer. They've, they've kind of been tossing this around. There's been some things that, that were, were, were were part of their framework for trying to, to ask why they asked the question they did in the way that they did. But they're they're trying to figure that out, and it's formulated as they try to make sense of evil, as they try to make sense of suffering with a particular individual that Jesus happens to see. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 9. Uh, again, we're, we're looking at this series through the eyes of, of Jesus. Jesus, and it'll make, a, it'll make a, a, a sense in just a moment, Jesus' disciples, they're leaving Jerusalem after what's called the Feast of Tabernacles, that was a, a feast to remember when they were in the wilderness, and they lived in tents, and, and they didn't have a, a home that was fixed to live in. So while they're in the wilderness, they're wandering around, they're constantly picking up their tents, and they're moving their tents, and they're retenting, re-tabernacling, and the Feast of Tabernacles was to allow them to remember the temporary state when they were in the wilderness, and how God had provided for them before he brought them into the promised land. That's a little extra this morning. But as they're coming out of Jerusalem following this feast, this is what happens. John 9 and verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, here it is, he saw, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He saw a man who had been blind from birth. And as we already heard, as Kathy had already shared, one of the things that God pricked my heart is that Jesus sees you. Jesus saw this blind man. And what's unique about this situation is the man is blind, so the man didn't see Jesus. This is not like blind Bartimaeus, where he had heard that Jesus and his disciples were coming, and he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's not the story. In fact, as far as we're concerned, the blind man didn't even know that Jesus was coming, didn't even cry out, wasn't even seeking Jesus or seeking a miracle from Jesus. But Jesus saw the blind man. Jesus saw him, he noticed where he was, and you may believe that you are hidden. You may think that you're hidden, and we heard that already. You may think that Jesus doesn't see you, but I want you to know that Jesus notices you. He sees you, he knows the situations you're in, he knows the suffering that you have faced. Jesus sees you, and today we're going to talk about how Jesus sees the subject of suffering, How does Jesus see? How does Jesus view this this story? How does Jesus see us in our suffering? John chapter 9 and verse 2, when Jesus sees and notices this man who has been blind from birth, look what happens. Rabbi, his disciples ask, here's the question, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Why, why is this man Why was this man born blind? Why has this man been suffering? It, it, what, what, was the, what was the cause and effect relationship that led to this man being blind? It, was it his sin or was it his? His parents said how many know that, that sometimes there's this this idea when we try to figure out the problem of evil that oftentimes with evil and suffering we come to the same conclusions and that is there must have been something this guy did or something somebody else did then that's the reason he's suffering that there is a a cause the effect of his suffering is because of some kind of cause for for the Israelites their theology is what's called theodicy and that is the idea of this cause and effect, kind of like when Job was suffering. How many have read through the book of Job or heard Job's story in the Old Testament? When Job's friends came around, they, they kept saying to Job, Job, what did you do? God, you, Job, you must have done something to really upset God. You must have disobeyed God. You've hidden this from all of us. We might not see it, but you've done something and you got to get that right with God in order for you to stop the suffering. You're suffering because you did something bad. In fact, I think there were two common thoughts that were held at this time. Do you know that the Jews believed in the pre-existence of the soul all the way back in the Garden of Eden that every soul that is, ever, that is ever born, will be born, that has been born, preexisted in the Garden of Eden. And they believed that at in, in that time, your soul might have done something to, to, to sin against God. And so this man was born blind because at that time in the preexistence of his soul, he did something that, that really upset God and he was getting what he deserved. You know, we might call it today Karma. You heard karma? Can I just say karma is not biblical? You know what's biblical? We, we, sowing and reaping is biblical, but we don't, there's also grace and mercy. How many of you know that we don't always get what we deserve? How many of you say, I'm the recipient of mercy? How many of you know that sometimes we get what we don't deserve? That's called grace. Now, there is principles of sowing and reaping. The Bible does talk about that. But in this particular case... They were trying to make sense by saying, maybe, maybe way back before this guy was born, he, he did something, his soul did something, and so it's his sin that's causing his blindness. The other thought was, was that it was his parents' sin that had caused the blindness. This is reflected in a, a misrepresentation of an Old Testament passage in Exodus 34, 7, which says, the sins of the father will extend to the third and fourth generations, And so if he didn't sin, then somebody in his family must have sinned, his mother, his father, maybe a a grandmother, grandfather, and it's the third and fourth generation, and he's getting the results of their sin. Can I just tell you, friends, that that that, that is not true. It's not true. There are plenty of examples of, of godly people, people who serve the Lord, people who love the Lord, that suffer. Suffering is a part. People who love Jesus suffer. Joseph suffered. How many remember that in the Old Testament? Joseph didn't do anything. It was part of God's plan. There are times when, when, when suffering has nothing to do with, with any of that. It's just a part of life. And then there are other times, and maybe you've wrestled with this. Maybe you've wrestled with this. As a believer or somebody who's following the Lord, you're doing your best to follow the Lord, and suffering comes in your life, Right? And you look at somebody else who's not serving the Lord. They're living carefree. They're sinning all over the place. Can we just be honest about it? I mean, they're not judging. I mean, it's just, it's right out there. They're sinning all over the place. And yet they just seem, everything just seems to fall into place for them. You ever question that? Am I the only one that's ever questioned that? You know, we're not the only ones. In fact, there's a psalmist, his name is Asaph. And, and I came across this psalm, and I just, I absolutely love it, because I'm like, I, I, I am with you, Asaph. Like, I, I am, I am, I am with you. Not all the psalms are David's psalms. This is a psalm of Asaph. And look at how it begins. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Right? Truly, God is good, right? But as for me, I almost lost my footing, My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. So in other words, man, my faith is slipping here. I know God is good, but my faith is slipping. Why is his faith slipping? Look at this. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their their bodies are healthy and strong. They don't have trouble like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. He says, listen, I got some questions, God. How how come I how how is it that I can serve you and I look at these other people and 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 they're not serving you? They're not doing anything, and yet they're living like painless lives, like everything seems to be going well for them. That just doesn't seem fair. You ever been there? You ever wondered that? There's only a few honest people in the room. Psalm 73, 13, and 14. He goes on to say this: Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Oh, Asaph, I can agree with you, man. Right? Come on, we can agree. So this problem with suffering, have you ever had that? I, I don't understand. Why does, why does this trouble come? Why, why do people who try to follow Jesus, why does suffering come upon them? Why does this happen? And we ask these questions and we try to make sense. And that's the thing, we're trying to make sense out of suffering. We're trying to make sense out of trouble. We look at the world and we look at things and we look at how we perceive innocent people to be suffering and we say, why? What is this problem? Why, why does this have to happen? We look at our own lives and we say, God, I'm trying to serve you. Why is this happening to me? And I look and that doesn't seem to happen. And we have these questions, much like the disciples, we, we have these questions. And so here's this man that Jesus notices and he's been blind from birth and his disciples are trying to figure out the problem, the problem of his suffering, the problem of evil. And so for them in their minds, they go back to what they were taught. It must have been his sin or was it his parents' sin? Jesus, you tell us, what do you think? We, we want to know. We're like little children. We want to know, what do you think? How does Jesus respond? John 9, 3, starting verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents sins, Jesus answered. This happened that the power of God could be seen in him. And then he goes on to say this. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. What is Jesus saying? Jesus, what, what are you saying? It's not, it's not his sins. It's not his parents' sins. Jesus, wh- what are you trying to say? I had an interesting observation. Can I just time out for a moment? I got an interesting observation when I was, when I was reading through this. It just really jumped out at me. And, and you know what the observation was? Many times, like us, the disciples are they're, they're, they're asking questions. They're trying to figure out the why, right? They, they wanna have a discussion with Jesus about this man's suffering. Do you know at times, that's where we fall. We wanna have a discussion about suffering, about our suffering, about somebody else's suffering, about the suffering in the world. We, we get stuck in discussions. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus says, listen, don't get stuck in the discussions. Let's, let's see the opportunity for compassion, Sometimes we spend so much time discussing that we miss the opportunity to demonstrate compassion. I don't think that's stuck in. There comes a point when we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to help to alleviate the suffering of others? Is it just a topic of discussion or is it an opportunity for compassion? Ooh, that'll preach. See, Jesus sees this man who's been blind from birth, and he says, this is an opportunity to bring glory to God. This is an opportunity for this man to be the object of God's glory, what God wants to do in and of his life. We're going to unpack this. We're going to talk about this a little bit. But friends, Jesus said, I'm, the, I'm, I'm here, and I've come, and while I'm here, I'm the light of the world. Do you know what another passage, what did Jesus say about us? You are what? The light of the world. I think we need to spend a little less time in discussion about all the problems and the suffering and looking around and, oh, this world is so broken. Oh, this world is so, oh, this, oh, that. Oh, what? They think it's their problem. Why did they get into the, I know why they got into this because they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And they'd be following the Lord and all be better and blah, blah, blah. And we get ourselves all like that. And then the meanwhile, we just sit in our comfy little pews and we don't do anything to extend compassion. Uh-oh. We sit in our little comfy homes, we have our little Bible studies, we get in our little life groups, we have our good time, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But if that's all we're doing is sitting and having discussions about the evil in the world, but we never get out and show compassion, we've missed the heart of Jesus. We missed why he came. You see, we got to view suffering differently. Jesus sees suffering differently. Jesus views suffering differently. The disciples were saying, is it his sin? Is it his parents' sin? And Jesus says, no, there's an opportunity here to demonstrate compassion. There's an opportunity here to have a reversal of the, of the evil and to begin to see the glory of God. See, suffering can really only have ultimate meaning in relation to God. That's the theme point today. One main point today. Suffering can only have meaning in relation to God. Let me unpack this for a moment. Let's reflect for a moment on these words. It was not this man's sins or his parents. That's significant. Jesus says that that, that this suffering is, is not about his personal sins or the sins of his parents or their generations that, that began. Let me, let me just unpack for a moment. How many know that, that really sin and suffering did, did enter into this world back when, when man sinned against God? When Adam and Eve in the garden, when they disobeyed God, how many know sin and suffering and sickness and disease and strife entered into the world because of what happened in Genesis chapter three? Romans chapter eight also talks about. It. Let me just read just a couple of verses, verses twenty to twenty-two of Romans eight. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Anybody ever been frustrated before? Subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. How many have ever been frustrated because of something somebody else did? Creation was frustrated, subject to frustration not because of their own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. There is suffering and evil That entered into the world, and a lot of suffering takes place simply because generally we live in a broken world. That all of creation has been subjected to that. And so we have snow at the end of March. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I know it may feel like that, right? No earthquakes and and hurricanes and and natural disasters and things, you know, fires and floods and these things that just come out of nowhere. Listen, that's not the way it was supposed to be. Evil people, evil people who do evil things because their hearts are not subjected to the Lord, but they're under the power and the blindness of the enemy and they do evil things and they hurt people. Because we live generally in a very broken world that started because of sin. But that was generally... The horrors of sin are general, but in this particular passage, when it comes to this man who has been blind from birth, Jesus says specifically, this isn't about his sin. This isn't about his parents' sin. Although there might be that general foundation, he he is experienced and has experienced this suffering that the glory of God might be revealed, that there is a greater purpose and plan that God had in place place, and that his suffering is more about understanding it in relation to God's plan. Many people struggle to understand this. How can a good God allow suffering, right? But if we begin to understand uh, what Jesus is saying, we we come to the place where we see suffering in the light of the purpose of God. God. The general foundation of suffering, again, not a part of God's plan, but from the very beginning, what did God seek to do? From the very beginning, when sin entered in, God made a promise, and God has been carrying out that promise through Jesus to begin to reverse the suffering that is happening and to restore the brokenness that has taken place. Friends, that's why Jesus came. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. To set the captives free. Proclaim liberty, right? The year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to begin to reverse the curse of sin. Ultimately, this was the plan for God to restore and redeem what sin had destroyed. And we see it right from the start of this man who was born blind. He doesn't seek out Jesus, but Jesus sees him. And Jesus has a plan to begin a restoration of what was broken and the the sin and the suffering. Jesus has come to restore him. Jesus came to him to restore, to see the works of God displayed and to begin to restore the devastating works of sin now that's not the whole explanation of suffering you know what there's a lot about suffering I'd have to do like a whole sermon series for a long time so today I just want to unpack some things that I see in this story okay I just want to unpack in this story and I hope that this will bring encouragement to some of you today because although there's a, a dozen of these relevant passages, there are some things that, are, that I think are massively important, important for us to understand in this passage. John chapter 9, starting in verse 3. And Jesus again said, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happens so that, here it is, the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, no one can work, but while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. The works of God might be displayed in him. That's the the focus that I want to look at. See, the truth is, suffering can only have ultimate meaning in relationship to God. And the ultimate goal of God is his glory. It's God's glory. The ultimate goal is God's glory. And this is both when God heals in the healing and God receives glory in the non-healing. Okay, can I just say that? God receives glory in suffering in both the healing and the non-healing when we begin to see suffering in relation to God. Now, that you're like, "Pastor, I don't know where you're going. You're like really deep today." All right, hang with me. All right? Shake off the sleepies, all right? Because because this is this is this is going to this is going to this is going to open some eyes today. All right? The purpose of his blindness was to put the works of God on display. There was a purpose for his suffering, for his blindness. There was a purpose of God for his blindness. In other words, the ultimate meaning of suffering will only be understood when we begin to see God as supremely valuable. When we see God in relation to who God is, supremely valuable in our lives, and, and we begin to see that God has a purpose. When we begin to see in relationship to God and trust Him, that's when, when suffering begins to help make some sense in our lives a little more. Many things in the Bible make no sense until you begin to see that what God supremely values. In Romans 8.18, the Apostle Paul, how many know he went through a lot of suffering? Like there's a whole list of things, shipwrecked and beaten and all kinds. I mean, he went through a lot of suffering, right? But listen to what he wrote in verse 18, Romans 8:18. 8, he said this, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's what we saw in John chapter 9, when Jesus tried to make sense of the disciples, what was happening with the man born blind. He said that that there might be an opportunity to display the work of God, for the glory of God to be displayed. And Paul says that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory of God that will be seen in us. And then 10 verses later, he says, and we know that in all things, God works for good for for those who love him and have been called according to to his purpose. Suffering only begins to make sense when we begin to put it against the backdrop of who God is and what his ultimate purpose is, which is to display the work of God and the glory of God. You see, until you're, you're able to know God intimately and, and, and learn to trust the purposes, uh, that his purposes are best, then, then life and suffering don't make sense Suffering will always seem like punishment. That was the framework in the question the disciples answered. Is he blind from birth because of his sin or his parents' sin? He's blind. He's suffering because of punishment. But it's not always punishment. The ultimate goal in this particular case was the glory of God. That the glory of God, both in the healing and, friends, sometimes in the non-healing, let me unpack it for a moment. Again, blindness from birth, right? An opportunity for the glory of God. Spoiler alert, if you've never read this story before, I'm gonna blow it, all right? I'm not gonna read all the way there. I'm gonna blow it. Guess what Jesus does? Jesus spits in the, in, the, in the ground, in the dirt. He, 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 he forms out of it mud from his spit, from his saliva. That just sounds gross, right? Right? But how many you know, what were we made out of? Dust, Right? Formed out of the dust. So he's forming this mud, forming this out of the clay, the dust. Puts it on the man's eye. Says, go wash in the pool of Siloam." The man goes and washes. And, and, and all of a sudden, when he washes the mud off, a man who was born blind from birth can suddenly see. Friends, that had never happened before. There are no recorded miracles of a man who is blind from birth ever seeing in the Old Testament. This was a sign of the Messiah. It was a sign of Jesus, both not only just a physical healing, but spiritual eyes being opened. All right? There's more going on in this story. Now, in this particular story, then then God is getting the glory an opportunity to display the work of God because he comes back and and his neighbors see him, the people that know him, that knew he was begging, see him, and some of them go, hey, wait a minute, that looks like the guy that's always been sitting there begging who's been blind from birth. Is that the guy? And others say, no, 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 it looks like him, but that guy can see, the other guy can't. No, 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 that's not the guy. Why? Because they have no context of a man who's ever been born blind seeing again and the opportunity for the glory of God being displayed. And, and, and so he tells it. And, they, and he's like, whoa, what happened? And so they begin to tell the Pharisees here about this, the religious leaders. So they pull them in and they begin to ask, how did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen? We're gonna to get to that later. Hang on to that. How did this happen? They pull his parents in. Is this the same son? Is this your same son? Yeah, it's our same son. Well, what happened to him? How did this happen? How, did, how can he see? If he was born blind, how can he see now? What, what's happening? How is this happening? How is this happening? How is this happening? Hang on to that. Why? Because the glory of God is displayed in His healing. But how many know that sometimes in the non-healing, in the midst of our suffering, when God isn't answering, when God doesn't do the miracle, when God doesn't heal, the glory of God is still displayed. You say, Pastor, where do you find that at? Second Corinthians 12:9, Paul cried out three times, Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. We don't know what it is. Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. God take this thorn. God take this thorn. God take this thorn. And what was God's answer? Nope. <laughs> my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is on display through my sustaining grace for you. In the midst of the suffering and the non healing, my power is displayed in you. My power is displayed. In you by the grace of God, my sustaining grace. How many know the glory of God is is displayed when God answers and God heals because He has the power to heal? And when He doesn't and chooses to empower us with His sustaining grace, He still gets the glory because His purpose is always the glory of God on display, whether it is power and weakness or whether it is power and healing and deliverance. What's common in these two cases, though, is the supreme value of the glory of God. The supreme value of the glory of God. You see, suffering can only have ultimate meaning in relation to God. In relation to God. See, the implication for your life, for my life in this is profound. No matter what mess you're in, no matter what pain you find yourself in, the causes of that mess and that pain are not exclusive to, well, you must have done something and you're being punished. There are some times where it's sowing and reaping. Come on, sometimes we're knuckleheads. Can we just just be honest about that? How many of you can just say, I've been a knucklehead and some of the pain in my life has been caused because I was dumb, because I was foolish, because I was disobedient, because I didn't follow what God's plan was, sowing and reaping, that happens. But we already talked about it. How many have ever uh, done something stupid and God gave you grace and mercy and you didn't get what you deserved, right? That, that's the glory of God, right, on display. But there are just some times in this world where, where there is a purpose and the power of God that has to be revealed, and it's not our sin, our parents' sin, it's not, it's just simply that God wants to work in our lives. So let me just, I'm just going to just really get on these really quick all right, really quick, what are some benefits of suffering? All right, I'm not showing this from the story. This is just outside of that. I just wanted to bring some benefits of suffering. Number one, how many know you know suffering, suffering equips us? Suffering equips us. You know, in this particular story, Jesus said, you know, this is not his parents' sin. This is not his sin. This is, this is an opportunity for, for God to display the glory of God. It was not an object of discussion, but an object of compassion. But how many you know, if you want to show compassion, then you've got to, you've got to have, have, have understood what it's like to go through something. Right, 1 Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 5, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who is a merciful Father, the source of all comfort. He's the source, right? All comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can what? Comfort others. When we're troubled, we'll be able to give the same comfort that God has given us for the more we suffer, the more God will shower with his comfort through us. Do you want to have a degree in, in being a really good comforter? A degree in being a good comforter means that you've got to go through some things and allow God to comfort you. That's how you get a a degree. There's no way around it. When you go through suffering, it's not just simply simply, uh, for you to to just kind of get through. It's for you to be able to use what you've been through to be able to help somebody else. To be able to go through and help somebody else, God works in us so that we can comfort others. Secondly, suffering strengthens us. James, we know it. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many know there's many kinds of troubles? Many kinds of trials. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. How many times do we jump off? No, I don't want to persevere through this. No, I don't want to trust you through this. No, I don't want to go through this. I want to jump off the boat. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We want a shortcut to maturity. Do you know that? We want a shortcut to maturity. We always want it easy. Easy, easy, easy. Friends, it's not easy. Man, try working out, right? you got to put pressure and tension on your muscles. You've got to put that and you've got to press against that. Putting that tension, having some of that ripping and tearing and building that goes up, that's what makes you stronger is the tension you're pushing against. The right amount of stress is good because it builds the strength in your life. The trials in our lives are not necessarily negative. The suffering times we view negative, but oftentimes God is using those things to bring about a relationship with him that is mature and complete, not lacking anything. If we will let perseverance do its work. Suffering corrects us. You knew we were getting to that, didn't you? Right. there are sometimes when suffering is corrective, all right? I know in this case, the man born blind, this was not a corrective thing. This was an opportunity for the glory of God, but the opportunity for the glory of God is also displayed because God is a loving father who corrects us. I had a loving mother. Can I just speak frankly? I had a loving mother, but when I disobeyed what my mom asked me to do, when I got a little bit of a rebellious attitude, do you know what I got? I got the stick, I know there's this whole psychology thing, don't spank and don't do this and all that. And you know, and and, and I get it, not abuse, okay? My mom was not abused, she was in control. And when I did something, she warned me. And when I did it again, there was no more warnings. There was no more, one, two, three. It was go to your room and go to your room and I'm gonna be in there in a few moments while I get myself together. And she would get her attitude, she would get her heart in the right place and she'd come in and she'd sit down and she'd say, do you know what you did? Do you know what I asked you to do? Do you know why I'm here? Yeah, mom, I'm so sorry, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. (laughs) No, I warned you. (laughs) And this is what's coming. And you need to understand the pain. Because the pain is the correction. And it gets to the place where I didn't need the pain of correction on my rear end because I simply got the look and I knew my mama meant business. But it corrected and brought me back into the place where, where, where the things that I was doing that were gonna lead to harm in my life were being corrected so that I would learn how to be mature and complete. Friends, I'm gonna tell you something. Some of your suffering is God correcting you. God is correcting you. God is wanting to get you back on the right track because he loves you. And he says the direction you're headed in is the direction that the enemy, the father of lies, wants you to go. It's to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what's happening with your life. As long as you keep walking on that road, you are going to experience that. But I'm going to bring some suffering and affliction in your life. Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Oh, how can a loving God do that? How can a loving God not do that? How can a loving parent not do that? C.S. Lewis says, pain plants the flag of truth in the fortress of a rebel soul. Woo! God gets our attention sometimes through affliction to get us on the right path. But in all things, in all things, and I want to get back to my main point. All right, I went off for a little bit. I want to get back. In all things, suffering, suffering only makes sense when we see it in relationship to God and his purpose for his glory. Think of it this way. Suffering is not about what happens to you. It's about what happens for you. It's not about what happens to you. It's about what happens for you that God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. We're a part of a bigger plan. We're a part of that plan and we need to begin to see that sometimes the things that we go through are an opportunity for God to display his work and his power in our lives. Whether that power is a display of healing and deliverance and, 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 and moving that mountain that's in our way or whether it's the sufficient grace of God to be able to persevere and walk through whatever it is he has put in our path to walk through. It's not about what happens to you. It's about what God is doing in you and for you. It's kind of like medicine. We had these terrible things when I was a kid growing up and we, you know, medicine. Like it was on a spoon and it was like this liquid stuff that you'd pour on the spoon that you had to like, and it was like, like, anybody remember that? Like, it was like, ugh. Like, I don't know, they make things like a lot better now, but man, I I didn't want to take that. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, God's the great physician. And sometimes we got to take a little medicine that we don't like, that doesn't taste good, but it's working for our good. But do we trust the great physician? Do we trust the great physician? Now, I want to get back to what I was talking about. I want to get back to what I was talking about. So when when the guy was healed, all right, I'm I'm landing the plane. When the guy was healed, right, everybody came and they started to ask him, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? How how did that happen? Could that be the guy? How did that happen? How did that happen? Do you know that how is oftentimes the wrong question? you know that, that why is oftentimes the wrong question? The better question that they started to ask and they got upset about and they didn't want to hear was who? Who healed you? Who touched you? Who delivered you? Sometimes we ask the wrong question. We're stuck on how. When we should be, when we should be, we should be caring about who. Because when we know who, that's when the how makes sense. The how didn't make sense to the Pharisees because they didn't want to receive Jesus. They didn't want to accept the who. But when the blind man began to accept the who, and he oh, oh and this is at the end. I love it. I love it. I'm skipping ahead in the PowerPoint, by the way. This is slide 16 at the end. And, and, and this is what the man said. They said, Who did this? Who did this? You declare, Jesus, he's a sinner. He couldn't do that. He healed you on this. They made mud on the out. He can't be the right. He's a sinner. Declare that he's a sinner. And what they were going to do was unsynagogue him. They were going to kick him out of the synagogue. You can't be a part of our fellowship anymore. You can't be a part. If you don't say that Jesus is a sinner. And he says this, you know what? I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Listen, listen, how did Jesus do it? He couldn't be, because how did he do it? He made money on the Sabbath, how did he do it? How, how, how? It's not about how, it's about who. And until you understand who, you'll never understand the how. You won't understand the why until you know the who. Suffering only makes sense in relation to God. It's about the who. It's about the who, it's about Jesus. So let me ask two questions. So I'm going back to slide 15. Are you willing to embrace suffering if it drives you to God? Are you willing to embrace suffering if it drives you to God? I know we live in a comfort world right here. America, right? Home of my rights and my comfort. But friends, if suffering is gonna take me deeper, if God's gonna get the glory, if there's something more that God wants to do, like the disciples, am I willing, like the apostles, am I willing to say, you know what, I counted all joy that I'd be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to be a masochist, all right, like, ooh, I wanna suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. But sometimes we got to reframe it and we got to say, God, what are you doing? Is this, where where is the opportunity to show your glory? Where's the opportunity for me to get to know you more intimately? Where's the opportunity for me to demonstrate faith in the midst of my walking that until you deliver, I know you got the power to do it. I know you can deliver me from this fiery furnace, but even if you don't, I'll still serve you. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have never known the other man who was with them never leave you nor forsake you in the fire. Fire if they hadn't been willing to walk through the fire? If they hadn't been willing, are you willing to walk through the fire if it leads you and drives you closer to God? Secondly, are you willing to alleviate someone else's suffering if it will drive them to God? Enough discussions, let's see opportunities for Compassion. Let's see opportunities. Where can we be the hands and feet of Jesus to help alleviate someone else's suffering so that the glory of God might be displayed in their life, in their family, in their situation? While you're here on the earth, are you, are you willing to say, God, use me to alleviate someone else's suffering? All right, let's bow our heads. Worship team, Come. You might be here. You might be online. And today I want to pray for those you're suffering. You're going through a season of difficulty. You're going through a season you don't understand. You've been asking a lot of why questions. Maybe you're going through it. Maybe somebody you love is going through it and you're just wrestling with these questions and you just, you don't understand. God, why? Why are you allowing this? God, why are they going through this? God, why do I have to go through this? And you've been wrestling with those questions today. I I, I just, I, I want to encourage you today that God is at work, that God has a purpose in your life, that God has a plan, that God is at work in you and wants to display his glory and power. God wants to be at work. And maybe today he wants to bring healing to your situation. Maybe he wants to move mountains in your situation. Or maybe today he wants to just fill you with his sustaining grace today. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, Visit PainesvilleAG.com.